said that Jesus Christ has risen And he is the open door Well, how you doing, everyone? Welcome to this episode of the Cajun Conservative Show, where we talk about life, we talk about liberty, and yes, we talk about the pursuit of happiness, and we show the world that us Cajuns do have intelligence. Hope you're having a good day today, and um, please, if you can, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the follow button on the platform that you are listening on. Uh, major announcement, ladies and gentlemen. First off, for the two years we've been doing this, we have reached 10,000 plays on anchor yeah i gotta get and uh hold on let's go ahead and let's let's go ahead and uh give us some applause ah, one button. <laughs> also we have passed which is pretty neat i saw that this morning on facebook our following on facebook has hit over a thousand all because of you guys. All because of you guys. Look, it couldn't. I, this, none of this would have been possible without you guys, uh, you ladies and gentlemen that go ahead and listen to the show. Um, just, just excited. Just excited. We had some good things happen this weekend. Uh, as, like, as you know, I'm a youth minister, and um, we went to a youth rally this weekend, and the kids were blessed by the Holy Spirit, and we're excited to see what God's going to do in this next this next generation. Um, look, and this, this goes for everything, ladies and gentlemen. This is why I'm so passionate about podcasting. This is why I'm passionate about ministering the gospel. This is why I'm passionate about brothers just searching. Um, we are here to reach young people. That is my goal. And look, I'm not, you recycle teenagers out there. I'm not, I'm not saying anything bad about y'all guys. I love y'all guys, man. Y'all, y'all are, uh, y'all the backbone of this, this, uh, community. Um, but I'm just seeing, uh, in politics, I'm seeing, uh, Christianity. There's not a lot of, a lot of interaction with the young people. And that's what we want to do. We want to go ahead and form the next generation of Christians, pastors, evangelists. We want to, um, want to, you know, the next politicians, we want them to be grounded in truth and liberty. We want, you know, we, we, we need that. That's the next generation. The young people are the next generation. And we have so much people and so many organizations just saying, look, Let's not worry about the young people. And look, look, don't, let's not change the message. I hear that a lot. We we have a lot of people say, well, you know, we got to change the message for the young people. No, you don't. And last night I seen that. Uh, and I'm going to give props to Paris Reagan and Crossfire Youth Ministry out of uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They're associated with uh, they're the youth ministry of Jimmy Swagger Ministries. Um, they're doing a great job out there. We've seen some people come to the altar. We've seen some young people. And look, he preached a direct gospel message. And that's what it's about. It's about winning souls. You don't have to change the message. The, change, the message is the same always. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Trust in the sacrifice Jesus did at the cross and you will be saved. That is scripture. And that, that's the message we need to preach. And also to the young people, you don't need corruption. You don't need, you don't know, you don't need things of this world. You just need to trust Jesus and trust in the principle of what's truth. What's true. Not, you know, let's not go ahead and just go into this, you know, there's this life as a, as a, it, you know, as just, oh, well, we're here. We, we can't do anything. Um, 
you you have a purpose. You have a purpose in life. So I'm excited with that. Uh, with that being said, we have a jam-packed show today. Um, so I'm going to be talking about a topic on this first segment. But throughout the, the, the whole show is going to be interviews. Uh, we got Miss Jamie Pope coming on in the second segment. She is running for state representative of our great state of Louisiana. Then we have Mr. Albert Guillory. He's going to be coming on in the third segment. Uh, Mr. Guillory is running for lieutenant governor here in the state of Louisiana. Uh, cannot wait to have these two individuals in with us today. Uh, Ms. Jamie's going to be uh, virtual, so we're going to have a split screen. But Mr. Guillory, he's going to be here in the studio. Um, just excited, ladies and gentlemen. Excited to see what God has in store for us. Uh, I can't wait for the next 10,000 plays. But now, like I said, for that to happen, I need your help. Please go ahead and hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, and also hit the share button. That is very important on any platform. That's YouTube, uh, Facebook, that's um that's TikTok. I need you to hit the like. I need you to hit the share. Follow us on them pages. We're excited. All right. So I want I want to talk about something um, that I think is very important and it's in the news right now. And look, I know the classified documents. It's it's still wrapped up. We had Mike Pence um, say he takes total responsibility for the the documents that were found in his home. We understand that the document scandals are still ramping up. You still have the debate. Well, which one was worse? Was it Biden? Was it Trump? Now we have Mike Pence. Oh, what's going on? We understand it. But I'm pushing that aside today. I'm pushing that aside because I really want to talk about the debt ceiling. Uh, and I think the story of the debt ceiling has been pushed off. And I, I think it's done purposely, to be honest with you. Why do I think that? Because, you know, the debt ceiling, we still have a deadline until later this year. Until we have to do something with the debt ceiling. We have hit it. It's, it's right now sitting at $31.4 trillion. The United States supposedly isn't supposed to take money now that, that we're, we're at our limit. We're at our limit. This is, um, and the best way I can describe this is a credit card, okay? If you have a credit card that has a $200 limit on it, you spend $200, you can't spend no more. Uh, now, if the, now if, the, if the company would come to you and say, hey, look, we're going to extend your debt limit to $300, well, you have an extra $100 to spend. But when you hit that limit, normal, normally, normal people in reality, you know, here that we live on Earth, uh, in America, when you hit your limit on your credit card, you're not supposed to spend no more money unless you're like super rich and they keep adding to it or whatever. But evidently, it's going to come to a point where that debt company is going to say, listen, we cannot extend your debt limit no more longer. No longer. It's impossible. You're just not paying the debt. And that's where we're at right now in America. We either have a choice. Now, this is the only difference between the United States and regular people. America can go ahead and extend its own debt limit. And I, I, to be honest with you, I, I really don't agree with that. Now, it will have to happen. I, I talked to an individual yesterday. He is known throughout the world. Uh, he's part of SBN. And he said, look, it's going to happen. The debt ceiling will rise. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, Republicans should not hold, hold on to it. And say we're not going to raise it because we're going to have to, unfortunately. We will have to raise the debt ceiling. But this is the problem with the debt ceiling, ladies and gentlemen. We're having the Republicans saying, look, we want to cut back. We want to take things out. We want to we go ahead and do something 
with this debt ceiling since we have it. But the Democrat Party, especially the president of the United States, is saying we are not going to work with the Republican Party. And we don't want to negotiate with the Republican Party. We want it our way. And look, they've been having that for two years. For the past two years, the Democrat Party has had their way. For the past two years, they've been in control of everything. They've been in control of the House. They've been in control of the Senate. They've been in control of the presidency. They got everything they wanted for two years. Everything they wanted for two years, they got, ladies and gentlemen. And my curtain. Um, anyway, uh, but for two years, they have been getting everything they wanted. Now that we have a House of Representatives that is Republican, with a, is a slight majority, I think four seats we have. The Democrats going nuts. Oh, we, we want our debt ceiling raised. And the Republican Party saying, no, we cannot do it. I think that's in a strategy way. I was hearing Senator Ted Cruz and Rand Paul on a video from the Hodge twins. Uh, and they were talking about, look, the debt ceiling helps the Republican Party right now. That is the bargaining chip that we have. That is one of the only things we have to our advantage right now. Because it, it, popular demand says that the Democrat Party likes to spend money. I, look, I don't care who you are, but majority of the time, it's more a Democrat spends money than the Republicans. And the Democrats want that money. They want to fund their programs. They want to fund Medicaid. They want to fund uh, works with comp. They want to, uh, they want to fund all these things to where their people that are living off the government can get what they want. And unfortunately, those are people that are relying on the government. Look, I'm in hard times right now, but guess what? I'm not running to the government to get free stuff. But major there's a lot of people out there, and these are what these programs, this is what this $31 trillion, part of it, not all of it, but part of it, is going to. And look, like Senator Rand Paul is asking for a clean sweep. Hey, let's take out 100000 here, 100000 there. Let's do something that's going to hit. We have to change the spending problem. And look, it's just not, I'm, I'm going to sit here and I'm not going to say it's just the Democrat Party. Because there's there are a lot of commentators that do that. They go ahead and they say, well, it's the Democrats' fault when this debt ceiling incident. No, it's not. And I'm about to prove it to you right here. And these numbers come from Ted Cruz in that video I saw. And this is what made me start thinking about this. So let, let's go look at some numbers. How did we get here to 31.4 trillion dollars? in a debt ceiling and it's going to rise. They want to raise it up again. The Democrats want to raise it. The Republicans want to change up things and they're not negotiating until they get their changes. And Joe Biden's saying, no, I'm not going to do that. And ladies and gentlemen, this is contention right here. Like I said, we have months down the road. The media isn't showing it because I, I think, and I was, I, I, I started chasing a rabbit when I was making this point earlier. The media isn't going to start showing it right now. They're going to wait until it gets closer and closer and try to shame the Republican Party into to, they're going to try to bully them into raising the debt ceiling. And Kevin McCarthy needs to hold his ground and the Republicans need to hold his ground. Listen, the, the conservatives have a lot of power right now with them four seats. They need four votes. If they don't get them four votes, nothing's going to pass with Kevin McCarthy. And those are majority. There's, there's more than four conservatives that say, no, we'll hold back until we get what we want. We've seen it with the speaker's race. Did I agree with the speaker's race, uh, how they held off on it? No, I think they should have got it done. But guess what? Them conservatives got what they wanted as well. So it was a benefit. But let's go back to the points. Because it's just not, it's just not Democrats that, are, that, that caused this problem. Republicans have as well. This, and like I said, let me go ahead and prove my point. Um, the first 42 presidents of our nation altogether spend $5 trillion. 
Ladies and gentlemen, that was only 23 years ago. Why? Because the president that doubled the debt of from $5 trillion to close to $10 trillion was Bush 43. Oh, oh he, must have been a, he must have been a Democrat, Isaac. No, he was a Republican. Bush 43, a Republican, raised the debt to $10 trillion. One president, one president went ahead and doubled our national debt. When the first 42, now don't get me wrong, you have history where like Franklin D. Roosevelt and others that, that raised a lot of, raised the debt. But ladies and gentlemen, five trillion, and I know, I know money is different right now. The value of money has with inflation and everything. I understand that. But think about this. The first 42, uh, 42 presidents, this is including Bill Clinton, and Bill Clinton likes spending money, raised the debt to five trillion dollars at the end of Bill Clinton's term in the White House. A Republican came and doubled it close to $10 trillion. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. That, that ain't good. Well, hold on. We're going to go ahead and get now. Now let's go to the Democrat side. Barack Obama came into office. Now he came into office with a $10 trillion debt. He even ran the campaign and said, it is sad that President Bush Raised the debt to 10 trillion. It was unpatriotic. That is his quote. His his tenure of the eight years of him being president. Raised the debt to 20 trillion. Trump came into office. Now Trump's businessman. He had a plan. He only had four years. But now, now listen to this though. Trump. In his four years as president. Raised the debt to seven trillion. Now Trump did say, "I have a plan in my second term to bring it down and all that stuff." But if Trump would have kept the way he was spending, he was on a track to spend fourteen trillion dollars. This is another Republican president. Remember, we're supposed to be conservatives. We conserve things, but not according to these Republican presidents. Now we're at Joe Biden, where Joe Biden has spent money on the infrastructure plan. He has spent money on stimulus. He has done all kinds of stuff, ladies and gentlemen. He has spent money. Now we know also what now we also know with Trump that at a point that half of that was the pandemic. Also they would say with Biden majority of his adding to the debt was part of the pandemic. We can give him that a little bit. But still seven trillion in four years, that's a lot of money. Now, but let's go to Biden. Biden has so far in his term, and he's, this is 2023. He has, and it's the beginning of 2023 at the time of this episode. So he is, he's only been in there for two years. But he was inaugurated at the late part of January. It's January 29th. So yeah, he just made two years in office. He's spending, he spent $4 trillion. He's on track. On track, I'm saying he did not get there, but he's on track to spend eight trillion four years as president. And if you go on that that line, if he would win a second term, he would he was on track to spend sixteen trillion. And that's just the stuff. That's not the. Ladies and gentlemen, that's how we've gotten to this. So it's just not Democrats. It's just not, it's, it's Republicans as well that helped this debt crisis happen. 
Now the Republicans want to come in. They want to cut things. Like I said, I, look, I'm predicting this already. The debt ceiling will rise, ladies and gentlemen. It will rise. It's not. It's not stagnant. We we need we need to run this country. But ladies and gentlemen, for the Democrats to go ahead and say we don't we want y'all to as I quoted um I think I did it two episodes ago where I talked about how the Democrats want to eliminate the debt ceiling. Let's just let's just get rid of it so we have a limited spending. That would be that that would be it, that that right there. Would be dangerous. And I'm glad the, Repo the House Republicans are saying, no, we're not going to do that because this is how we're holding on to this is how we're holding on to the balance of power right now. This is our bargaining chip and we're not getting rid of it. The Democrats and the, the president wants to eliminate it. The, Dem the, the president has gone so far to say, hey, look, give me all the money I needed without any limitations. You never I, look. I would like to ask any business owner. That goes into a bank and says, look, I want to borrow a fifty thousand dollar loan. And when the bank, the bank's going to say, well, there's no limits. There's no, uh, there's no, uh, uh, there's no, uh, standards of what you got to pay or anything. We just look, Hey, here's the money sign right here. No limits. You, you don't have a, we're not even going to set a date for you to pay it back. Go to a bank and do that. You will never find that. But that's what the president wants Congress to do. And ladies and gentlemen, I, this is an issue because look, we, we talked about this, uh, in earlier programs, big government, big spending. When you have a government as big as ours now, and they want to control the power that they have, they need money to do it. And the majority of this money is to go to programs for you to rely on the government. And if we don't stop this spending crisis, if we don't get a hold of this right now, unfortunately, our country is going to crumble and it's going to fall because we are spending money we don't have with that being said we'll be back on the second segment with miss jamie pope please stay tuned we'll be right back after this short break how you doing everyone isaac here i'm the cajun conservative and i want to thank brother lanny hayes from hayes's dump truck service for their generous support of the cajun conservative and brothers just searching hayes's dump truck service serves the lafayette and surrounding areas. If you have any job that you need done, like cleanup or hauling material to your job site or your home, we haul limestone, we haul sand, we haul topsoil, any type of material you need. If you're in the Lafayette and surrounding areas, please call Brother Lanny Hayes at 337-852-8043. Remember, Hayes is Dump Truck Service, where Jesus is Lord of the company. Cleansed and made us whole Not one hope Not one soul All right, everybody, welcome back to the second segment of the Cajun Conservative Show. Uh, we were supposed to have Miss Jamie Pope uh, come on, but uh, we had a last-minute cancellation. Uh, we rescheduled that interview um for uh for upcoming episodes so stay tuned for that but uh on the third segment we will have uh mr albert guillory he is going to be in studio with us uh, he is running for lieutenant governor of the great state of louisiana cannot wait to team up with mr guillory and talk about some important issues of the day um i just uh i met mr guillory at the rpec meeting great man great uh 
great person to talk with and uh, I'm glad he's coming on. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Mr. Albert Guillory in the third segment of the Cajun conservative show for this episode. All right. So uh, we talked about raising the death ceiling. We were talking about how is both Republicans and Democrats fault. And ladies and gentlemen, that, that's a lot of issues in America day. Unfortunately, um, look, so I, like I said, I am a conservative. That's how I label myself. When somebody asks me, are you a Republican or a Democrat? They ask me, uh, they ask that I'm, I'm a conservative. I am a registered Republican because I lean more towards the side of the Republican party. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, a lot of our problems in this country is that particularly um there's some great republicans in the senate there's some great republicans in the house of representatives but ladies and gentlemen there's some some republicans uh, right off the jump if i'm thinking about it mitt romney bill cassidy susan uh susan collins uh all these uh all these people ladies and gentlemen they, they're they're good people i guess you could say they're good people they might be some good but they're not good republicans and you're looking at both sides of the coin right here and that's why that's why I've come to the point where I can't say it's all Democrats fault no more. I can't I can't I can't say that it's it's all, you know, um, it's all is it's one side the, the issue. It's not because unfortunately you have Republicans that are sitting in the white uh, sitting in the in Washington, D.C. right now that are both hurting this nation. And, and this is why I'm hoping you know, because we talked about the death ceiling. I'm hoping Kevin McCarthy, and I said it in the first segment, I hope he holds his ground. He and it was the Republicans hold their ground and fight for the betterment of this nation. All right, so a couple of news uh, articles this week. Uh, Facebook to unban Trump. Meta, Facebook parent company, uh, will reinstate former President Donald Trump's account in coming weeks. Meta president of global affairs told Axis. So, um, so now Donald Trump, uh, they, I think the ban was set to lift on January 7, but the company took time afterward to do further elaborate. Um, so they're saying Trump. Trump's team sent a letter onto Facebook June 18th, asking for the former president to be unbanned. Now, why did why was Trump banned in the first place? Well, this comes after the events of January 6th. If you remember, January 6th, they accused Donald Trump of not coming out quick enough on social media to tell his followers at the Capitol to leave the Capitol. That was the mainstream story. But right after that, you started noticing Donald Trump starting to get banned from Twitter. He got banned from Facebook. Uh, I think he even got banned from TikTok. He got banned from a lot of these social networks to where Donald Trump said, hey, I'm going to just make my own. Now, uh, he has said, I, I think I know his uh, his page is back on Twitter. Um, The issue that we're going to have right now is. You know, he's asking for Facebook back. So I'm guessing he wants that audience uh, back. But the whole reason they banned him was because of hateful speech or inciting violence. We can go either way. Um, I wonder how long it's going to take for Donald Trump to get banned again. That That's one question I have to ask, too, because... You know, first off, he got true social. He don't have to... He, he owns his social media company. He can say whatever he wants when however he wants to say it on true social and truth look don't get me wrong the cajun conservative this show right here we have a true social account do i post on it all the time uh no not really uh, if you're on there please go follow us 
uh, because I, I try to post videos and everything. I, you, when you have five different social media accounts, you have to try to place them all. But Donald Trump, Donald Trump can say whatever he wants on True Social. He, you still are restricted in Facebook and you're still restricted on Twitter to some extent. Since Elon Musk took it over, it has lightened. But there, I wonder how long it's going to take for them to ban Trump again. Because unfortunately, big tech and big media don't like Donald Trump. Um, now, Donald Trump, in some sense, though, is a moneymaker. This is a former president. He went ahead and he, you know, he said some things that do, does go viral. Um, people go back towards Twitter and they, they'll they go back to these social media platforms if they can go ahead and have Donald Trump. Donald Trump left. Well, a lot of people left Twitter. A lot of people left Facebook. That, Like I said, that's when True Social came out. So we're going to see. Now, this is an issue for Donald Trump as well, though. Why just thinking about why people went to true social. Um, why did, why did people leave Facebook, leave Twitter and go to true social? It was because of Donald Trump. But now since Donald Trump is back on these platforms, will true social have a leg to stand on? Because ladies and gentlemen, true social as for being popular as it went, like, like, cause especially with the Android, Android just, uh, launched a few weeks. Well, I say a few weeks, a couple of months now, uh, Android, you can finally have an Android app with true social. They only targeted iPhones before then. And it, it like the initial day where it, it spiked. Yeah. Uh, tons of downloads, but true soldier has slowly been declining. And is that because of Facebook? I, I don't know. Because hey, Look, True Social, since we're on that front, has a lot of competition. They have a lot of competition with, uh, they have a lot of competition with TikTok. They have a lot of competition with uh, uh, Snapchat, uh, Snapchat, uh, even, even YouTube, ladies and gentlemen. As a YouTuber and as a, uh, as a podcaster on YouTube, I'm seeing... A lot of things change with YouTube, especially on the short side. Um, a lot, a lot of our shorter videos get more views, uh, and and like I, you can post now on YouTube. There's some, there's a lot of stuff. So Donald Trump going back to Facebook, I wonder if that's going, if that's going to hurt True Social in his investment side of it. Um, now his political side, like I said, people went to True Social to hear what Donald Trump says. If he's on Facebook, well. True social. I'll, I, I like I said, I look through it every so often, but it's we're gonna have to see. We're gonna have to see how this impacts Donald Trump. Now, this is also coming at a good time too, because uh, for Donald Trump, because Donald Trump's running for president, and th this uh, uh, this unban of Trump means that he got his avenue back to talk to his constituents. Uh, if if you if you look at the 2016 campaign when Donald Trump ran for president, that was one of his his big. Uh, uh, drives to get supporters, Facebook, Twitter, social media in general, Donald Trump used social media like no other candidate before. So this, this ban is going to, is going to go ahead and, uh, and uh, this unban is going to go ahead and help Donald Trump a lot. So, all right, so let's go ahead and, uh, I, I want to tell y'all that, um, uh, I guess you could say a weird event. That happened to me the other day. Um, as a lot of you know, on this podcast, I go ahead and I make 
make my living off of driving a dumb truck. And uh, you see some things driving a dumb truck. Uh, my dad has stories. I have friends that tell me story. I have a few stories, and I think this is one of them. That, that it, it, is it a political point? Yes, to some extent, because I want to ask you, the audience, if you change the name of something, does that make it different than what it is? The reason I say that is, is because the other day, like I said, was in the dumb truck. I was working with my dad and one of our other friends that drive dumb trucks where we're working in this trailer park. What now, granted, this is one of the nicest trailer parks I've been in. Um, they did the, they, there was some trailers in there that they needed some work, but a lot of these trailers are almost all brand new. They were, they're, they're prepping to put new trailers in and all that good stuff. It was a nice trailer park. It was well organized. Whoever owned it, they did their job very well. Now you might be saying, Isaac, how does this talk about changing the name of some, make it something different? Well, because the, on the, on the sign, it said the name of the trailer park and it said manufactured home uh, community. I'm like, what? Mobile home community. And and I saw the sign. I, you know, first glance, you don't think none of you just like, Oh, okay. Well that, you know, it's a community. Well, but I started, <laughs> I started thinking, I said, well, that's just a fancy name for a trailer park. And, and look, I understand the marketing of the place because unfortunately trailer parks have a bad reputation. Uh, it is, you know, it's, it's been portrayed as a low income families that that's where they live. It, trailer parks are not, not the best people that live there. It, you get what I'm saying? It, it, so trailer parks have a bad name. And this person, I know uh, the person that, that owned this place was probably thinking, well, I changed the name of it. It will make it look better. Um, better in the community. So he called it a mobile home community. And I'm like, okay, it, it business side of it is smart. You know, uh, where do you live at? I, you don't say I live in a trailer park. I live in a mobile home community. And look, ladies and gentlemen, we make jokes of this. Um, you know, uh, I'm trying to let's just, you know, people that, that collect garbage, they call a trash person. And people are like, uh, you might, what you do for a living? I'm a, I'm a city, uh, oh, LB, help me out since you're right here. I'm a city, uh, clean, uh, clean, a sanitizer person. You get what I'm saying? LB's in the house. Give it up for LB. In charge of huh? In charge of waste management. Yeah. something of that nature. They, they sort of changed the name to make what they do a little more presentable environmental specialist. That's a great one, Lloyd. So, so you get what I'm saying? Changing the name of something. And like I said, this, this me being political, political, like I am, I made the joke. I said, well, he must've offended somebody to change the name, but, and I understand as a business person, I understand you, you, you try to make your business, uh, most presentable and you, yeah, everybody is business minded in the, in this audience is going to know what I'm talking about. And look, I'm not, not mocking the person that did this. Cause Hey, like I said, I, I would change it, you know, Hey, and like I said, trailer parks have, is, have a reputation of not being the greatest places to live or to, to be part of, you know, there, there's, there's, uh, there's names that people use for trailer parks and it's not, it's not, it's not right. But like I said, my, my political mind jumped out and I started thinking, huh, 
maybe maybe that's why a lot of in the political rim are trying to change their name but it still asks as the question you changing to you changing the name of something does it change what it is like i said the the, the place that we were working at and like i said a political mind that i have i'm just i'm thinking i'm working in a mobile home community but I didn't look at it as a mobile home community. I, I you, you, when you hear yeah, when people ask, "Hey, where are you working?" I'm working in this trailer park. No, no, it's not. It's a mobile home community. It's a trailer park. See, you could change the name of it, but it's still the same thing, just with a, a different name. And I, I think this is where we have come to a point in America today. We have. Men that think they're men. So they say, hey, we're going to go ahead and change ourselves and we're going to become women. Same thing with women. There's women out here that say, well, we, we're women, uh, but we want to be men. So we're going to do all the process to become men, but we're really women. So, so, so does that change who they are biologically? No. Um, you, you cannot go ahead and, and change that. And there's certain things in this country that they're doing with this. They're, that this nation has taken... Tons of stuff and redefine uh, is, is the same thing. You know, a while back we had, we had the, uh, the, the whole re uh, recession thing Two negative GDP means that we're in a recession. That's been a threshold for years in this country Two negative GD GDP growth is considered a recession. But the Democrat party said, well, no, 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 no. We're going to redefine it. We're going to change the rules. We're going to rename it or, or something of that nature. And guess what? Does it, does it change the fact of what it is? And ladies and gentlemen, I say no, because you got to live in truth. If you live in truth, you're not going to go ahead and say, well, look at this thing. We're going to rename it. or we are going to redefine it? Or are we going to do something to it? And it's going to change some things. It, you can't change. And look, a lot of people might, well, why are you against the, 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 the LGBTQ lifestyle or the transgender movement and stuff? Because you're trying to change something you can't change. A man can go ahead and say, hey, my name is George one day. I'm going to call myself Sophina. The next day, that means I'm a woman or a man, a man can't just go walk around and say, I feel like a woman. That makes me a woman. No, dude, you're a man. You cannot, you cannot go ahead and change your, change yourself by just changing your name or saying one thing or another. And look, you, you can, you can't do that. And that's, that's where, like I said, you, you see these things on the road and, uh, this has been in my mind for a while. Uh, today the show was kind of crazy on it and I just, you know, Hey, you know, let me go ahead and bring this point out. Ladies and gentlemen, you cannot go ahead and change something that God intended it to be. You, you, you definitely can't just change the name of it. You can't, you, you can try to change the appearance, but you still, you know, you can skin a, you can, um, you can cut all the dog's hair and it looked like one of the naked cats, but it's still a dog. I call it naked cat. You know what a cat with no hair, Lloyd? That that's ugly. You ever saw them cats? Yeah, Siamese cat. I should have, I should have let that mic right there. You could have talked in the mic. Anyway, <laughs> no, but the sign like a Siamese cat. Hey, you can, you can cut all the dog's hair off, but you can't. And you call, hey, look, that's a Siamese cat. No, that's a dog. There's just some things you just. Look, you can, like I said, you can put, you can do a different name on it. 
But it just just that thought. Just that thought today. If you go ahead and change the name of something, does it change what it is? And I think we're living in America today that, oh, we just changed the name of it and it's going to change. No, we don't. We, you can't do that. You can't. You can't just. And look, at a trailer park here. That's, that's innocent. I, I, I laughed. A mobile home community. It, it does. It, that person that owned it. Hey, I'm going to change the name to make it look better. But it doesn't change what it is. It's still a trailer park. But that being said, we are going to be joined by Mr. Elbert Gillery. He's running for lieutenant governor right after this break. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Cheers and good on you, boys and girls. My name is Scott Ford, and I have a podcast on Spotify. I would love it if you went over and subscribed to my podcast. It's a talk show. It covers a wide variety of topics. I cover success, motivation, uh, funny stories, topical events, things going on in the world. And I would love it if you went over and subscribed to my podcast. Thank you so much, Isaac. God bless. Enjoy your life. You're my peace of mind When this old world seems to get me all right, everybody, as advertised, we have former Senator Albert Guillory that's running for lieutenant governor here in the state of Louisiana. Mr. Albert Guillory, how you doing, sir? Welcome, hope many times to the Cajun Conservative Show. It's a real pleasure to be here with you. My son and I are both great fans of yours. He is a real wild fan of yours. Hey, <clears throat> I, I'm excited to hear that. I, um, you know... Getting into this line of work, Mr. Guillory, I, I knew that we would possibly make some enemies. We'll make, you get what I'm saying with the left and stuff. But uh, I love hanging out with uh, my representatives or the people that want to serve us. And just to sit down, this is a unique opportunity I never thought I would have. So, you know, you saying that, I, I appreciate you listening and I appreciate you coming on today. It's a real blessing. It's a pleasure to be here with you and your audience. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, Mr. Guillory, you know, uh, you've been a, you was a state senator. Uh, for a little while, you served the people, but you decided to run for lieutenant governor. Can I ask why you decided to run for lieutenant, lieutenant governor at this time? We need a louder voice. <clears throat> I, I don't need a job, and I don't need a career. I'm at that stage in my life where I've been practicing law for more than 50 years. So I'm not looking for a stepping stone. All I want is the opportunity to serve and I don't think I need a lot of opportunity to serve, just, just four years. The, uh, the lieutenant governor's office has a loud voice, and the past lieutenant governor has done a, a really good job of selling Louisiana. I have experience in tourism, so I can, I can help sell Louisiana. But I also want to have a legislative staff because of, of my many years in the legislature, I can identify problems and create legislative solutions to those problems. That's really what my my real goal is. And you bringing that up, the, the state of Louisiana, they, you know, the, um, the lieutenant governor's position isn't really like a lot of people would think. You, you know, like you said, um, our current lieutenant governor has done a good job with tourism. 
Yes, he, he has brought it in. But some might look at him as, as a rhino. Some might look at him as uh, he, he compromised. Um, do, as a lieutenant governor, would you be able to go ahead and, as you talked about, do legislative things with governor? If it, that's a Democrat governor or Jeff Langer or anyone else that is in, in that position? Absolutely. Uh, there's nothing, and I, I've had three lawyers take a look at the legislation that creates the office of the lieutenant governor. There's nothing that will prevent me from doing the, the things that I want to do legislatively. So I'm going to have a legislative staff. I'm going to identify problems, create solutions, and then I'll sell those legislative solutions not only to the state legislature but to the people of Louisiana. I want to come to the people and say, look, we have a problem with crime. These are the two things that I think we should do. There are other, other things that need to be done, but at least these two things need to be done. So now, now one of your big questions would be um, Billy Nungasser has decided he's going to run for another term. Um, he has, you know, he, 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 he said he was going to run for governor. Some things happened. He decided not to do that. Um, how does, how does that look for the L the LA GOP? Cause, uh, you know, when I first met you, Billy wasn't running. Like I said, they, Billy, I believe Billy had every intention of running for governor. Now you have, uh, now he had some beef with the LA GOP. He had some, uh, he had some issues that have come up, but how does that look for your race in, in going into this 2023 season? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Did you expect Billy to run? And, you know, how, did that change your game plan since he has announced he's running for another term in that position? I'm an old Navy man. <clears throat> Darn the torpedoes, full speed ahead. I've been on this course for at least nine months. Since last spring, the spring of 22, I've been running for lieutenant governor. Now, other people <clears throat> have made other decisions in their lives. That will be on them. Uh, I have been on this course. I will continue on this course. And like I said, darn the torpedoes. I'm full <laughs> speed ahead. Also, thank you for your service in, you know, to the military. Thank you. Um, so, <clears throat> Mr. Guillory, let's go ahead and talk about policies here in Louisiana. Um, I, and look, we had Mr. Chad here. We had Mr. Alan Seaball here. And I, I have other candidates lined up for our state representatives, our Senate, and you know, all this good stuff. And I always ask this question, Louisiana, unfortunately is, it is infected by rhinos. It's infected with people that, that care, in my opinion, care about their well-being instead of the well-being of this state. And I, I have friends from Texas, Arizona, Carolina. I've been on podcasts where they ask, they say, Isaac, you, you live in a red state, one of the purest red states but you have a blue governor. How does that happen? And I always describe this, Mr. Guillory, as a purple state inward. Nationally, we're red, but inward, in our state legislatures, we're purple because we have true blue Democrats. We have red hot Republicans, but we have them, 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 them Republicans that make us purple, them Republicans that, that say, well, we're gonna do something, but when it comes down to the legislation, they change everything around. What, you know, what is your goal? Because you mentioned that there's a lieutenant governor, you want a legislative branch. What do you want to change in this state? Because we need to change. We need to do something different. Because the, the state we're in right now, we we're last in we're last in education. 
we're let's just say it like this. It's probably easy to say this. It's it's we're last almost on everything in the on the list except crime. We're except crime, one. yeah. <laughs> well, thanks to the Lord, the Destroyer in New Orleans. Um, but how do we turn the state around? How do we go ahead and change our course? Because you, you said you're a Navy man and you, you got to stay the course, but this course is leading us to, to a waterfall. One of our biggest problems is that rhino problem that you mentioned. We have a majority in the state legislature. We could pass legislation, over, and if, if a, a, a blue governor over uh, vetoed it, we could override right. the veto. We have the power in numbers to do this. We don't have the power in heart. Our biggest problem is that we do not have people who love God, I agree with you, who yes, sir. love America, and who love the American people. If we have godly people who are willing to stand up for America and stand up for God, we don't have a problem. So let's get rid of the rhinos, replace them with godly people, and the problem is over. We will pass the laws that are necessary to protect the people of Louisiana and to, to lift us from the bottom, as you so eloquently pointed out. I mean, we in education, in health, all kinds of things, we're at the bottom. We can we can come up. We can come up and we can come up. I think we can do better. And look, we have a good chance. You know, we got some good conservatives lined up in this election, including yourself, that are going to go ahead and try to excuse me do something different. Because, like I said, in the course we're on, we just Mr. Giller, I, I I'm scared. I'm scared for the nation. Don't get me wrong. But for the state itself, the way that we are, you know, I, and I said this, I, I had this, well, I had this viewpoint. You, um, we almost lost another congressman. We we have seven right now. We almost came down to six. People are leaving this state. People are, they, they don't want to be here. I think it was a poll a while back I heard on KPL. They said that this is one of the worst states that people don't want to live in. That's scary. But we have Texas. We have Mississippi out of all people. Mississippi beating us. We have Arkansas. And look, Arkansas is about to bloom. They got Sarah Huckabee Sanders over there and her lieutenant governor. They already got plans to do things and turn that state around. Alabama, Georgia, Florida. You, all these sudden states are flourishing, especially Florida. But here in Louisiana, we have so much revenue. We have oil. We have and look the seafood, the tourism. We have we have we have a nugget, but it's like they taking that nugget and did just throwing it to the side, Mister Guillory. And that that's what's that's what scared me about this state. You're absolutely right. <clears throat> I would add forestry, right? Yeah, to that also. We have natural resources. We should be on the top. Yeah, we have some dodos in Washington D.C. <clears throat> and you know I, I'm I'm former Navy, so. You know, we could say some strong words, but <laughs> I'm a Baptist preacher, so I can't use those words you anymore. You can't do that here. I'm a Pentecostal. So. <laughs> <laughs> but those dodos in Washington, D.C. and their war on oil and gas is something that we have to stop at our borders. Louisiana has to say, we're an oil and gas state. We're going to produce oil and gas. We're going to pump oil and gas. And it doesn't matter what you say, Mr. White House, dodo. Right. 
Well, you know, you put it lightly. I call him backwards Joe. But uh, <laughs> so, Mr. Giller, let, let's talk about something right here, too, because you, you just talked about the White House. You're going to be part of a governor's mansion, hopefully with a Republican. Now, we got John, I think it's uh, Stroder. We got uh, Landry and we got Miss Collins. That's good. That's all great people. We have some others that are announcing they are running, um, especially with Jeff. I, like I said, I, I've never met Jeff, but um you know what I know of Jeff. He's a pretty good conservative, and if he would get in there, but let's just say any Republican get in there, y'all would have to stand up to bite. You get what I'm saying, and that's where I I would like to ask your question on. And I know you can't answer for Jeff, or you can't answer for the other candidates, but you, if if the governor come and say, look, President Biden asked us to do some, and it's against the oil field, or it's against natural resources, or it's it's something that goes against the core values of you have. What would you tell that governor to about? You know, how would you handle that situation? Because, like like you said, you you saying it mildly, um, Dodo in Washington, but I'm like I said, I would call him. I call him backwards, Joe. But President Biden ain't a friend of us, unfortunately. So, as a lieutenant governor, what would you advise that governor, if you don't mind me uh, asking that question? What would you advise our next governor to do in those situations? I'll be his backbone. I will advise him to <clears throat> let the the president know that in Louisiana, we are going to pump. You can't stop us from pumping here. We're going to export. We're going to do everything that we can with oil and gas to lift that industry up. And with respect to to anything where where his policies are destructive to the people of Louisiana, illegal immigration, for example, they take busloads and plane loads of illegal immigrants and dump them in Louisiana on our taxpayers' Illegal immigration costs America a trillion dollars a year. A year, every year. And much of that comes from the people of, the taxpayers of Louisiana when the illegals are dumped into our state. I'm going to stand up and say, no, you can't drop anybody who's illegal in the state. We have enough problems. We got to take care of our veterans. We got to take care of our elderly. We have to take care of our, our homeless people. First, Americans first. So, so you you're going with the mindset of America first, and going into this office if you will win. Amer- it's America first, and that's it. That's it. And that's the right mindset to have because, unfortunately, politicians here in Louisiana, politicians nationally, it's not America first. It's America second, and that you know, I, I as a veteran, that should fury. There's not you, but every veteran out there, because you fought for us Americans to have freedom and to make us the greatest nation in the world. And we have politicians like, oh, no, we're going to care about Ukraine. We're going to care about Russia. We're going to care. And it's, it should it, that shouldn't happen. Absolutely not. We can afford to dump uh, 50, excuse me, 500 billion dollars in Ukraine this year. Uh, a half trillion dollars in Ukraine. But we can't take care of a veteran. And I talked to a veteran yesterday who had a big problem in, in health care. She fell. She injured her, her. She broke her wrist. And it was months before she could get an appointment. And her wrist healed so that it, it, it is not usable anymore. It's, wow. it's twisted. That's unacceptable. We treat illegal immigrants in this country better than we treat the people who fought 
for this country. And it, it, it gets me a little... <clears throat> it gets you a little upset. <laughs> a little upset, yes. So, Mr. Giller, before we roll out, because uh, we have a few more minutes left, uh, and I always ask this of Christian politicians. You know, a lot, a lot of people... And I, I've been I've been told this on this side of the mic, where I'm a political pundit, I uh, you know I give my opinions. I I'd say it like it is. You get what I'm saying? And they tell me, well, Isaac, you shouldn't get into politics. A Christian shouldn't be involved in politics. They should, you know, worry about winning souls. I understand it's important. As as a minister to minister, that is important. But you're an associate pastor. You know, and you're running for office. What do you tell people that that come against? Oh, you're a pastor. You should worry more about the church. You should you shouldn't worry about politics. You should worry more about people. What, what do you tell people that? Because in my opinion, I think as you said, we need to have more men and women of God standing in the halls of Congress. The Bible sets out the model for proper government. It says that government should be like Aaron. And Moses, a shepherd, and a shepherd takes care of its sheep. And that means protecting its sheep from things like federal crazy federal spending, dumping all of our money into foreign lands and, and driving our own nation into bankruptcy, uh, not taking care of our, our veterans, as we were saying a moment ago. Uh, the godly message whether it comes from the pulpit or the halls of Congress, is a godly message. Killing little babies is is wrong. I mean, right. abortion is wrong, whether you say it from the pulpit or say it from the halls of Congress. It's, it's, it's the same message. So do you believe that more Christians should get involved with the politics, especially running for them offices? I always said it like this in my view. The devil got his people there. Why can't we get you know our people in there? I absolutely agree. We need to have, desperately, we need to have godly people in government. So, so on, on, on the last note, as we get ready to, uh, to, to wrap it up, um, where can people find you, Mr. Guillory? Where can they go ahead and if they want to talk to you or contact your team to, um, to figure out, you know, to, to, to hear a little bit more about you? Because, you know, like I said, you got Billy Nungas, so you got a lot of money. You go up there. We got a lot of people that go on. You know, how can we get people to start supporting you if you? Please contact <clears throat> contact us at YouTube, Albert Guillory, uh, Facebook, Albert okay. Guillory, all of those those internet kinds of things. Um, you can contact us through the mailman. Uh, send checks, please. <laughs> <laughs> need, need need some cash. Need some cash. So. But Mr. Guillory, it was glad to have you here today. Uh, this mic's always open if you ever need to come back on. You know, we, uh, I love having y'all guys here and visiting with us, you know. I deeply appreciate the opportunity to talk with you, to get to know you better, oh, yeah. and to, to talk with your audience. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So with that being said, we want to thank Mr. Albert Gillard for coming on. He is running for lieutenant governor here in the state of Louisiana. Please go ahead and check out his social media platforms. Uh, as we wrap this segment up, I want to thank you all for listening to the Cajun Conservative Show. Remember, Jesus Christ is king and he's coming back and he's coming back soon. So don't be fade of heart because Jesus has overcome the world. If you want to know Jesus as your savior, please reach out to me at the Cajun Conservative Show on Facebook and I'll tell you how to make Jesus your savior and heaven your home. So until next time, be blessed, be encouraged. You have a good one.